Hello, and welcome to Marriage Unchained, the art of one flesh, where saving marriages, saving families, and saving souls is the flavor of the day. Now, let's join our host and author of Marriage Unchained, Catholic Alpha Radical, Jerry Jacobs Jr. Hello, I'm Jerry. Welcome to episode 10. Today's focus is Deacon Brad Anderson, 44 years, a successful marriage interview, part two. So sit back, relax, take a chill pill, and get ready to rock, but don't duck. Can you feel it? Catholic Alpha Radical coming at you now. Hello, and welcome to Catholic Alpha Radical, where my main mission is to keep you out of divorce court and where marriage unchained the art of one flesh divorce combat coaching is the flavor of the day while helping men understand marriage and courting not dating in the catholic faith why because dating is for sex and courting is for marriage this is episode 10 bam So now our first segment is the quote of the day. So let's do this quote. There are two reasons for the primacy of sex over love in a decadent civilization. One is the decline of reason. The second is egotism as belief in a divine judgment a future life, heaven and hell, a moral order is increasingly rejected. The ego becomes more and more firmly enthroned as the source of its morality. Each person becomes a judge in his own case. With this increase of selfishness, the demands for self-satisfaction become more and more imperious. And the interests of the community and the rights of others have less and less appeal. All sin is self-centeredness as love is otherness and relatedness. Sin is the infidelity of man to the image of what he thought or he ought to be in his eternal vocation as an adopted son of God. The image God sees in himself when he contemplates his word, end quote. Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, three to get married. Please remember to share this podcast with someone needing help in their marriage or relationship. Rate this podcast if listening on iTunes. Subscribe to this podcast if listening on CatholicAlpha.com to get new episodes in your email today. So now our next segment is Catholic Alpha's Radical Rant of the Day. 
entitled The Cowardice of Men, The Top 21 Reasons Men Have Caused the 2018 Scandal in the Catholic Church and Why We're Not Going to Take It Anymore. And before I start, as I've said in the past nine episodes, this will be a 21 episode series, one per show. Also understand that the infiltration by the Catholic Church with homosexuality and radical feminism, plus the watering down of the faith and the stripping away of the Latin mass was planned to in order to destroy the morality of those within the church and is not the teaching of the Catholic Church. Why was this done? Well, three things. One, to destroy the American family. Two, to destroy our morality. And three, to destroy our patriotism in order that we become susceptible to communism and its ideas. If you want to learn more about what I just talked about, about the communism and infiltrating uh, homosexuality, infiltrating the church and you know, radical feminism has destroyed the family. Please refer back to episode two. Also, many people want to bash or worse, leave the Catholic faith because of this current crisis. And that is exactly what the evil one wants you to do. We cannot change the church outside the church. We have to stay in the church so that we can fight and battle this. If you think you're going to leave the church, leave Christ church and go to a Protestant church or whatever, or um, if you're a Protestant, you think you're going to go and switch churches and stuff. What you have to do, if you're not coming to the Catholic church, you need to stay where you are. You need to fight this evil in your church um, so that you can, you know, help do Christ, get Christ word where it needs to be. And that's the problem with people. I was reading in, um, the imitation of Christ today where, you know, people have no loyalty. Christ was saying that, you know, as soon as something goes bad, you know, people want to leave him. And that's exactly what's going on today. If you leave the church because of this scandal, then you're going to leave every time something goes wrong because there are people in the church. And if there's people in the church, the human beings, then there's going to be issues and problem always. And that's why the best thing you can do instead of leaving getting on your knees and praying to the Holy Father for guidance and for cleansing of the church. Okay. Also, um, Judas is, you know, I also go that back with, Ju- you know, Judas, that's what Judas did. You know, he betrayed Christ. He betrayed his friends. He betrayed the disciples. And then he wouldn't kill himself. And that's what disloyalty does. You know, you feel shame and you feel guilt because after you are disloyal, like leaving the church, then you start to really reflect on what's going on and then you become, you know, you become um, depressed. And that's why you have to lean on Christ, stay in there and battle it out. Again, you can't change the church outside the church. So let's get started with Number 10 of the top 21 reasons that men are responsible for the 2018 scandal in the Catholic Church. But first, let's review the first nine. Episode one, the very first Catholic Alpha Radical was refusal to accept our role as men. Number two was allow the men in the Catholic Church, popes, cardinals, bishops, priests, deacons to water down, dilute the teachings of the Catholic faith. 
Number three was they didn't fight for Christ during Vatican II. Number four, which is episode four, an unwillingness to sacrifice for Christ. Number five, they have nothing they are willing to die for. Number six, we have begun raising soft and selfish boys, a.k.a. wusses. Number seven, we don't understand our mission and purpose as men to protect, defend, and serve God, marriage, wife, children, society at large. Number eight, we didn't crush feminism. Number nine, we didn't crush the Protestant revolt. And before each number, I will read a quote directly from the document containing Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano's testimonial about what uh, Cardinal, McCar uh, Cardinal McCarrick has done in the church and how they're calling it the gay mafia, which means that they're that they have taken over and infiltrated the Catholic Church, um, basically, which means that they're hard to control um, and everybody's scared and cowering down. But I think that's going to change. So um, the testimonial, I'm going to read the testimonial so that you can understand the gravity of this situation and move to destroy and speak out against it in your environment, church, marriage, family, work and society at large. Remember, evil likes to dwell in the dark. And there's this thing in the Catholic faith where you're not supposed to, you know, talk about popes. You're not supposed to talk about bishops and priests. You're supposed to, you know, you're supposed to um, not criticize them or point out when things are going wrong and stuff. That is completely unbiblical, unbiblical, unbiblical. Um, and that is not the teaching of the Bible. That is not in Christ's word. That is not in the, the Catholic church. And people do that stuff because that's the devil trying to get us to be quiet so that he can keep moving around in the dark and why every when everything's dark nothing gets light on it and so this is why cardinal i'm sorry uh bishop um vigano has decided that you know he needs to speak out because he's had enough and i say amen brother amen because the truth the truth i know it's a cliche but the truth will set you free it's tough at first everybody hates the truth why because it causes pain and so the truth hurts at first, but eventually it always turns out the way it needs to be. And that's what's wrong with the faith and the men in the faith right now. I'm, and the lady included. Everybody's a wuss. Everybody's they're a coward. Nobody wants to speak outside and do what they need to do as men. And what that has done is that's trickled down to our boys. And so what we have to do is rise up and begin calling a spade a spade and telling it what it, what it is with charity and prayer, but you still have to tell the truth. So um, I'll also place a link to um, the full document in the show notes. So here we go. Quote, was McCarrick's appointment to Washington and as Cardinal, the work of Sedano, when John Paul II was already very ill, we are not given to know. However, it is legitimate to think so, but I do not think he was the only one responsible for this. McCarrick frequently went to Rome and made friends everywhere at all levels of the Curia. If Sodano had protected Massiel, as seems certain, there is no reason why he wouldn't have done so for McCarrick who, according to many, had the financial means to influence decisions. 
His nomination to Washington was opposed by then prefect of the Congregation for Bishops, Cardinal Giovanni Battista Rey. At the nunciature in Washington, there is a note written in his hand in which Cardinal Rey disassociates himself from the, appoint the appointment and states that McCarrick was 14th on the list for Washington. End quote. I'll, I'm going to go back to like I always do, man. Why do priests have all this money and access to it? Where is the, the vow of poverty and all that stuff? Man, the thing is like bullets in a gun, right? The gun doesn't kill. People do. And money isn't evil. People are. And when you take a a pope or a cardinal or a bishop or a priest and they have ambition, they want money, they become just like regular people. They cease to becoming clerics. You, if, if we are, because I, I know I, I'm a man in the real world and so are most of you out here listening, you know when you have to go out and feed your family and you have to get money and, and make money and, and purchase things and items, you know, you know that money changes you money because the pursuit of money, it changes your priorities a little bit. And you have to fight really hard not to let money rule what's going on. And that's what's happening when priests don't when they have beach houses and have access to money to influence people, they become politicians. Where is the vow of poverty? Where is the vow of service? Where is all, are all these things that make men priests that they get respect for sacrificing their lives? I just don't understand it. It's, it's we have come. The church has fallen so far. But you know what? It's coming back because the men in the church, they are starting to stand up. They're starting to have rallies. People are starting to speak out articles, podcasts, videos. This stuff is not going away. And now the, um, you know, the indictments are coming down to the Vatican. The indictments are coming down to the American bishops, the USACB and all that. And people are not taking the stuff anymore. You know, the government, the United States government and the attorney generals and all that. They're like, look, dude, if you can't handle it, we will. And but you know what that will do? That'll cleanse the church. OK. Um. So. Realize these top 21 reasons are in no certain order as they are all feed up on one another. So what is the number 10 reason men have caused the 2018 scandal in the Catholic Church? Drum roll. Brrr, we didn't crush contraception, a.k.a. birth control. We didn't crush contraception, a.k.a. birth control. Ha <laughs> ha. So why would God say in Genesis, be fruitful and multiply? I mean, how much more direct can he be? And here's the problem with people. They want to always take the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, Christ's words, and everything. They always want to twist the stuff to make it seem what they want to seem and want it to be. And that is the reason why you have to have a central authority, which is why Christ started one church. I understand about the Protestant thing. We've went over that a million times, but this is another reason why you can't have all this different 
interpretations of the word of God. Um, you know, how much more plain can God be when he say, when he says, you know, be fruitful and multiply. That means you need to go out, be fruitful, make children, let God decide how many children that you give him instead of taking birth control and halting that process. See, this brings me again to the complete selfishness, selfishness and brokenness of the human person. We only want to do what we want to do without much consideration for our fellow man and not understanding how birth control harms marriage, the family and society is selfish and irresponsible at the least. We have to understand that birth control is what it's when you as a man by using um, condoms or you as a, or as a woman does by, you know, putting on the patch, taking birth control, control pills, you stop the birth, the birth act. You stop the birth, you know, uh, uh, the egg from, from connecting the, I mean, sorry, the sperm, the man's sperm from connecting to the egg. And I'm telling you, like I told this woman before, she's asking about, is it listed, you know, and, all this stuff about um, uh, birth control and stuff. And listen, most of the time the church doesn't, and God do not, do not really interfere when um, with the sexual act or marital intimacy, unless it starts to interfere with um, um, reproduction. So, that, like Nonan, when, you know, Nonan put his seat on the ground, God struck him down. You know, God does not like us interfering in the divine act of procreation. And when we do, most of the time, it doesn't work out well. And so when when when, a, when God sends a soul through the man's sperm to connect with the egg and you through science, through or, you know, act of your will or whatever, put on a rubber or you whatever get uh, cutting your your wife cuts out her reproductive organs or she takes a puts a patch on to put chemicals in her body to stop um the, the um, egg from connecting or to kill the sperm before they have a chance to reach that's basically killing souls before god before those souls that god has sent has even gets a chance to to have life and think about that that is completely and utterly selfishness abortion through convenience Okay, Um, we only want to do what we want to do without much consideration for our fellow man and not understanding this, like I said, is is irresponsible. Um, I had a wife's friend. um, I had one of my friends, his wife, tell me one time we were having a a little um, religious get together at my house where we were going over this course. And, you know, we were trying to, you know, grow closer to God and stuff through education. And this they somehow, you know, Genesis came up about be fruitful and multiply. And she said that the only reason God had that in Genesis, that that, 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 that doesn't count anymore, that we don't have to go by that law anymore because at the, because God only had Genesis um, about re, uh, be fruitful and multiply because there were no people on the earth. Now that's a, that is a, and this is, was a woman was Catholic. And that is the prime reason that, you know, logic, you know, things like that. When the devil talks, things like that always sound logical at first. Well, yeah, God said that, but he only said that because 
you know, there's no people and he wanted the earth to, you know, to, to be filled with people. And, but that doesn't count now. Man, that's no, that's not true. Nowhere in the scripture that it says, well, when we get three, when we get six or seven billion people, then, you know, we can take contraception and start killing the souls that I sin. Man, does that, that doesn't make sense. And, but like I said before, most of the stuff, when the devil speaks to us, when evil comes, it always sounds logical. But is it what God willed? This is why we must understand how evil works. It always I mean, always sounds logical and true at first. Think about it. All the times when you were going to do something that you knew was against God or whatever. Somebody comes up and says, you know, something and it sounds logical and then you do it and you adapt to it. But then look, people are taking birth control. Now what? What is what is the effects of that? One of the few of the effects. There's no kid in the Catholic schools. There are no kids in the schools. They're shutting down all the Catholic schools. They're shutting down Catholic parishes. Um, in Indianapolis, where I'm from, they're shutting down, they're shutting down high schools, not just Catholic high schools. I mean, public schools, township schools. They're shutting down schools. Why? Because they aborted all the babies and there's no room anymore for the kids. There's no kids. And so when you don't have kids, so there's been over 50 something, 60 million abortions. So what happens is all those souls that were here, that was those were the things that you were that were, were was going to uplift your economy. Those were your scientists, your presidents, your congressmen, your engineers. You know, those were the people that were that wanted to work in factories and build cars and do all these things. Those are your saints, you know. Those are the ones that that you could spread the word of God to. No, what do we do? We killed them all. And that's just the abortions. That's not talking about the contraceptive, the birth control that we use to kill the other souls coming in. So it's probably in the billions, billions and billions of souls that this country alone has killed. God has sent to us. Why? Um, he sends those to us so that we can send those babies back and bring, and, and those kids can grow up and become saints and go back and spend eternity with God. You know, this is why we, you know, it's always, I know I'm getting a little, I'm getting, when I started thinking about this, I start getting a little upset because the things that we've lost, the souls, the people, and that's another thing too. We don't look at people as souls anymore. We look at people as objects of this for our own use. And when you can look at a person like that, that means you can kill them. You can rape them. You can molest them as a child. You can kill them and murder them. You can take advantage of them. You can manipulate them. You can control them. You, you feel you can do anything to them. When you look at when you look at a person as just an object, that's what that's how what we do. And it's not right, man. It's not right. But that is Satan's way of misdirecting your attention away from God and focusing on him. Also, with the added degree of selfishness and the need to do what we want instead of what God wants makes it really easy, easy to participate in what evil is tempting us to do. OK, I must ask the question, why? Why would God prohibit birth control? I mean, let's think about that for a second. I mean, is he just trying to be a tyrant, mean, unmerciful? Or maybe, just maybe, 
He created us, and since he did, he understands what will make us truly happy. I, I go through this all the time and it's been it was drilled in my head and I have to keep drilling it in your head. God is the first mover. He's the maker. He's the creator. We do not come from monkeys. We do not evolve from dirt to monkey. OK, we are not. We do not come from monkeys. We come from a creator. And if a creator is the first mover, which means nothing was nothing before him. He was there when there was nothingness. Okay. And so he is the mover of everything, just like Ford and Chrysler and GM are creators and the movers of a car, um, of creating cars and manufacturing cars and building them and, and all that. Why? And so when, when the car manufacturer tells you, Hey man, don't put sugar in the gas tank because the car ain't going to run. Don't put a transmission fluid in the oil tank because the transmission fluid mess up the tank. Hey, man, wash your car and wax your car for maintenance. You're going to do it unless you don't want your car to work right. And that is what God is saying. We have to remember the Ten Commandments, the Bible, the word of God, the, the, the Catholic Church. These the things. These are not just rules, dude. These are not rules. They are Things set up for the natural law to make us happy in this life so that we can spend eternity with God in the next. Um, so here's what the men in the Catholic Church did. OK, they began to try and chip away at what God was asking and developing committees and trying to subvert the teaching to suit their cowards, such as what? The Pontifical Commission on Birth Control, which they set up in 1963, the church did. Pope John the 23rd set up this commission to talk about if we should change the teaching on the Catholic Church. See, just crazy stuff, crazy stuff. You know, you don't like, you know, this is right, right, uh, right, you know, right around Vatican II time and stuff. You know, we want to change all this stuff, change the teaching. Why would you want to change the teaching to kill babies, to kill souls? Because you're selfish, because you don't care. You don't believe in God. You stop praying. Okay. And that's what this thing did. And you know what this commission said? 80% of the commission voted to change the church's teaching on birth control. And what did that do? And since the church didn't really speak out or fight for this, it was seen as a way to go. Hmm. Sound familiar? Can anyone say crickets on the legalization of so-called same-sex marriage in the United States? By the Catholic bishops, when when right before when they were when when um the um, homosexuals were lobbying to get um, same sex marriage approved, you didn't hear anything from the Catholic Church, you know, and it's sad. So what did they do? People in the Catholic Church don't understand how powerful the church is. When we don't speak out, and I don't mean just the bishops and the Pope, I mean the laity. When we don't influence our environments, man, that's what happens. P things people start going, well, hey, you are you a Christian. And if you think it's OK, hell, I'm just trying to get through this life, too. I'll go along with it. No big deal. You know, and when the church doesn't speak out, then society takes over, which led to what? What was next? The 1965 Supreme Court decision, Griswold versus Connecticut, Connecticut which gave married couples the right to do what? Use birth control, ruling that it was protected in the Constitution as a right to privacy. So now 
What do we have? We have Vatican II. We have this Pontifical Commission on Birth Control, which led to what? Which led to the uh these uh this you know um the Supreme Court decision. So now you got the Supreme Court saying, well, hey, the church ain't saying nothing. The church is not fighting back. So look, people, you can do whatever you want. If you want to take birth control, if you want to have kids, and then what is what is what does that do? That leads to what? Roe versus Wade. Dude, you see how it works when the when we as Catholic men don't speak out, when we as Protestant Christian men don't speak out, we don't take charge and we don't do our job. It just get wor- it gets worse. Why? Because the devil, he does not stop. Evil does not stop. Evil will not stop. And even then, when Pope Paul VI created uh, the encyclical uh, Humanae Vitae in 1968, which means, you know, humani vitae is Latin for uh, of human life. Um, then he tried to combat it, but it was too late. Humani vitae came out rejecting contraception. That was the church's thing on rejecting contraception, but it was too late. It's 1968, 1965, the Supreme Court decision came down. Now you're going to come and try to, you know, now you're going to come and try to fight it now in 1968. That's three years late, dude. You're three years too late, homie. Come on, man. This is like this, the same sex, so-called same sex marriage thing. You know, you know, the stuff gets approved through the Supreme Court. Now everybody's going to be up in arms and try to do something. It's like an abortion in 1971, 72, the Roe vs. Wade thing in the 1970s. I forgot it was 73 or something. I forgot the exact date. But then, you know, the abortion goes and now all of a sudden all the cats want, the cats want to get up and start fighting and stuff. It's too late then. It's 2018 and we still trying to get Roe vs. Wade overturned. That's because the men sat on their butts and didn't do nothing. We was aloof. We always want to wait and try to solve a problem after the problem didn't happen. It's too late then. It's time that we start praying and doing and, and, and spiritual warfare now, man, and getting up off our butts and doing our job. So now, like I said, um, so now it was too late when Humanae Vitae came out. Sure, it's a nice little document and everything, but then what do Catholics do? Traditional called traditional Catholics. They try and dog that out. You know, we just can't do nothing as Catholics together. Just like men, we can't do nothing as men together. We always got to have our own agendas. Okay? Ridiculous. Anyway, so, um, so now that we have the question and the things that led to the acceptance of birth control, let's examine the reasoning behind God's rejection of it and the results of contraception on the family and society. So again, why would God ban birth control? First, it goes against the directive in Genesis to be fruitful and multiply. Why? Because God created us for what? To love him and serve him and spend eternity with him. If you didn't know why you were created, that is it in a nutshell. Okay, to love God, serve God so that you can go to heaven and spend eternity with God so that you never die. Your soul never dies. Okay. See, this is God's way of sharing his divine existence with us. He didn't have to create us. He didn't need us, but he wanted us to partake in his joy. So this is why he bans contraception because birth control aborts the souls. God sends the married couple before those souls even have a chance to be born. That's what I talked about earlier, earlier, which does what it stops saints and souls from being created to send back to him to spend eternity with him in the beatific vision, a.k.a. heaven. 
You know, just as he sent Christ to come down to forgive and die for our sins. Why? Because he can't forgive our own because we can't forgive our own sins because sin is infinite. When you when you do sin, it's like putting when you do a bad thing or immoral thing and it's like taking a pebble and dropping it in a, in, in, the, in a lake. And then what happens? That ripples out through eternity until the end of the lake. Well, until the, to the, until you come on the banks of the lake. Well, in the universe, there is no banks. Okay. It just keeps going and going and going. And what happens is something had to stop that. That's why Christ came. He came to stop our sins. Okay. All right. So, um, so in other, in other words, and the reason why God had to come, he had to send Christ to stop our sins because sin is an infinite thing. So you need an infinite being to stop it. And that's why God came. All right. Now, God is merciful. He's kind and just. He, he, and just. He wants as many souls with him in heaven as possible. And when we use birth control, we prevent the complete love, joy, happiness, and wholeness that God wants for us. God created us so that he wanted to, to share his divine, his divinity with us in forever and ever in eternity. That's why he's trying to make as many souls as possible. That's why there's this, so this call, what's it called? Uh, population control is complete evil because God wants as many souls as he can so that we, the parents of these souls, can make saints and not get them to hell and send them to heaven to spend eternity with God, to be joyful, to be happy, to be complete hope, to delve in complete holiness. Okay. Moreover, contraception kills those souls. Just as abortion of that soul once implanted in the mother is murder, contraception is murder as well. Contraception is the same. Uh, abortion con- is the same as murdering a baby in the womb. Okay, you see how you you see what what what's happened when you don't look at souls, people as souls, and you look at them as objects for your complete pleasure. That's what happens. Okay, first of all, stage one, you know, the man and the wife make love. But the woman is on contraception. So what does that do? That kills God's souls that he starts to sin. So they don't even get to even connect in the baby, in the womb. But then, oh, if it's so by some miracle in the mother's womb that the egg and the sperm connect, then what happens? Some woman, she don't even tell her husband, goes and kills her, goes and kills her baby in the womb. The baby's not even born yet. Oh, and then stage three, once the baby is born, what happens? It gets abused by a homosexual or it, it, the baby gets raped by a crazy man. The baby's molested. The, the girl's molested. The little boy's molested. And then the then you have a high rate of um of suicide. See how it works, man? Without God, dude, it never works out. It never works out. So, what are the results of contraception on our society? First, women are looked upon as objects and eating utensils. I say it all the time. When a woman takes birth control, there is no consequences of having a baby. There is no love made. Listen, children are of the one flesh of a married couple. Okay. When a man and a woman makes love, God lets them participate in, in the, his divine creation. Okay. And so, there's a there's a baby, but without the baby, there's no love. 
if all you do is having sex and there's no there's no realization of creation. See, man, that's what we have to understand. Creation is a divine is a divine um, act that God gave to us to help let us participate in in his divine, you know, law and stuff. But what do we do? We kill the baby. We abort the baby. We don't treat the kids right. We don't educate them right, and so they can go go to God. It, it's, it's this stuff is not rocket science, anyway. So when a woman is on birth control, she's just basically a, a utensil for a man's sperm. I know it's. I said it. That's the truth. She's just a, a receptacle. You know, she's just being used. He doesn't really care about her soul. He doesn't really care about her body. He doesn't care about nothing. The man don't. And so if the man, usually if the man don't care, the woman don't care. Okay. Selfishness rules marriage and the family. Women no longer are nurture. They no longer educate or create the amount of children God has in store for them. So selfishness has spawned unimaginable divorce rates worldwide. Um, contraception and all of that. No fault divorce. Let's talk about that. No fault divorce or same sex, so-called same sex marriage, because if people don't understand marriage and what it's meant for, they make up their own definitions. That's why you have man marrying a man, marrying a man, a woman marrying a woman. That's why the Mormons can have four, five wives and don't think that's going to be legal. That's going to be legal pretty soon. That's going to be legal real soon. Now that you have same sex marriage, so-called same sex marriage. Now, why are you, why are you going to deny the Mormons? You can deny them. At least they, at least they're trying to do it. You know, they might, they have more than one wife, but at least, you know, they're not breaking the ultimate, you know, uh, sin of sodomy. Come on, man. You, you got to understand again, evil doesn't stop until men stop it. The devil is not going to stop. It's only going to get worse. Okay. Next, huh? Pornography, masturbation, rape. Sex abuse of children, the gay lifestyle, all stem from contraception. It all stems from contraception. Why? Like I said before, because people are now objects, are now objects. They're utensils. They're a fork. They're a knife. Nobody. It, they're they're just they're just things to be conquered and have power over. They're not looked upon as children of God, as souls that we are trying to mold, educate, nurture, and in, into heaven to spend eternity with god all right and i know i keep saying that man but look this 100 years gentlemen means nothing it's all a test and you and the ones that try to i'm sorry i shouldn't have said it means nothing what i mean what i mean to say is this 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 it's, it's all a test and if you think it means nothing then okay then you just die and that's it that doesn't make logical sense it doesn't make logical sense that we go through as a man no matter if you're rich poor black white or whatever that you spend a hundred years on this earth, if you lucky, and you just die and you're, and that's it. That doesn't even make any logical sense. We go through all this pain and suffering for nothing. And even if you are a rich person, you still have pain and suffering. Don't think you don't. Oh, your wife might die. A child will die. You know, money doesn't really make you happy. It only makes, it doesn't make you joyful. It only makes you happy in spurts. I bought myself a new suit. I bought myself a new car. Yeah, you all, you all happy for five minutes. And then what? The misery comes back. Okay. So that's why pornography, masturbation, rape, and all that stuff, man, that's what happens from contraception because people are looked up on as, as, as ticket items.
Okay, why? Because when people don't understand the complete reasoning behind a law or rule, they make up their own rules. And this is how the current and past leaders of the church stemming from the all powerful 60s have done. The 60s were one of the worst decades in the history of the world. They killed Martin Luther King. They killed uh, what's his name? The president uh, Kennedy. They killed Kennedy's brother. Um, then they had Vatican II. Then they destroyed the, the try to destroy the church, you know. Then they had this this um um this Supreme Court decision on contraception, you know. Then we had abortion come along. Then we had no fault divorce and all this stuff. Look at the family, man. Your kids don't even want to get married anymore. Why? Because you're not setting a good example of marriage to them anyway. Why would they want to get married? Anyway, I'm moving on because I'm getting upset. About, I'm getting pissed off about this stuff because when you really start to think about stuff and get your head out of the golf and the fishing and playing video games and watching TV and the sports, you start to really think about stuff. You start to really understand how 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 devastating all this crap really is. You know, in that you as a man, we got to start doing something to stop sitting back and letting all this stuff happen. OK, and this is how the I'm sorry, they stopped te- the, the men in the Catholic Church, the priests, the popes, all of them. They stopped teaching and explain the word of God. So people stop what people stop listening. When a married couple practices birth control, it destroys the complete self-giving and one flesh concept. OK. This basically means God is absent because the Trinity, God, Son, Holy Spirit, runs from the evil of birth control. Again, this kills the souls God sends to the married couple for one flesh, for happiness, for souls they must make the saints to send back to him. Who is him? God. Okay. Women aren't stupid. And even though they choose to take birth control, their nature and their bodies understand that she is only being used for her sex organs and not for the divine godlike act of procreation, homeboy. Without her, without her God-given right to complete love and self-giving love from her husband, her soul will begin to reject her husband and eventually their marriage. Women aren't stupid. God put in the natural law inside a woman when she knows when her man is all in and when when when, when that instinct inside of her starts to starts to poke its eyes out and see that the man is not for her she starts to reject him reject his marriage and reject her kids listen you can say i don't know what i'm talking about it don't matter i do know what i'm talking about this is god knows what he's talking about and i'm getting this from god dude when your wife is taking birth control or your so-called you having sex with women out, even words having sex outside of marriage and your girlfriend is taking birth control, dude, they know instinctually, even though they don't know it consciously, they know instinctually that you're just using them as a fork, as a receptacle for your pleasure. And what do they do? They, they become depressed. They start to reject you. They start to reject your marriage. They start to reject your relationship. In the any of the kids you have, why? Because they come, to, they become depressed, man. They they don't ha- they they don't they don't feel loved and fulfilled. That's why contraception is complete evil, and God knows this. So, what about having sex outside of marriage plus using birth control? I already talked about that. Look, when are we going to learn that? Well, I'm going to go ahead and say it. This practice contraception is when you have sex outside of marriage. And you're also having contraception, taking contraception, birth control. Um, 
this is doubly bad. And this is why many single people having sex end up in misery and a broken soul full of walls and defense mechanisms. That's what I was just talking about, about women. She women has sex with you and then you don't marry her. And then she's on birth control. Dude, you ruin her for the next dude. Her, she has all these walls. She has all these defense mechanisms up and it's harder for her so-called next husband to get close to her. So what does she do? She screws it up. Okay. So when are we going to learn that selfishness is not the way it only brings unhappiness, death and chaos, which is what we have in the current Christ in the Catholic church. Again, the men sat there and let events occur and did what they want. They did what they wanted and got what they wanted. Complete mayhem. God gives you what you want. Can anybody say death, judgment, heaven, and hell. Bam. So what do you think? Send your questions or comments to radical questions at catholicalpha.com. Send your questions. Send your questions or comments to radical questions at catholicalpha.com. As a matter of fact, send your show ideas as well. Please remember, share this podcast with someone needing help in their marriage or relationship. Rate this podcast if listening on iTunes. Subscribe to this podcast if listening on CatholicAlpha.com to get new episodes in your email today. So now our next segment and final segment of the day is warrior stories. Again, warrior stories is our segment on ordained men who are fighting the spiritual battle in the Catholic church every day through sacrificing their lives, bodies, hearts, and souls for our ultimate warrior Christ. And today's warrior is Deacon Brad Anderson of the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. His current assignment is at St. Mary Parish in Greensburg. Also, he uh, participates in St. Vincent de Paul and in an inner city outreach and advocacy for the Ministry of Charity. Previously served at Holy Angels Catholic Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. He was ordained June 23rd, 2012. He's married to Kathy, his beautiful wife, since 1974. Married 44 years. Presenting part two of my warrior story interview with Deacon Brad Anderson. Bam. In your opinion, what is wrong with the state of masculinity and why is it being attacked? Well, I think um, the state of masculinity is that, uh, you know, a lot of men um, basically we're comfortable with having someone else redefine them. Okay. Mm, open and that a little and bit. I'm not sure why that, that, well, you know, it's kind of like, well, they say this or they say that. So I'm, I'm just, 
you know, I'm going to go in the corner or I'm going to go in the man cave. I'm going to go do, I, I ain't going to screw, you know, screw around with this. I'm just going to go do something else. I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to battle. Yeah. yeah. And, but why it's been attacked is, is, is there's a lot of different reasons. Um, few of them are good. You know, we talked about radical feminism. Um, radical feminism that we know today was, in my opinion, and I think if you look historically, culturally, it's it's a progression of of the uh, basically tactics that were used back in the Cold War, back in the time of of the, the rise of communism, socialism. Yeah, you you want to have uh, you want to inspire confusion, you want to inspire turmoil with any culture. Uh, we hear a lot of talk about Saul Alinsky and and, and his right. his writings, but you know he didn't he didn't invent that. I mean. He he just refined he put him it. into practice. There you go. That's all he did. <laughs> Those weren't his ideas. Um, yeah. Males are being attacked. Uh, what what I find interesting about masculinity is what they do. The most attacking on is the, the traditional Christian male. It's not it's not the the alley cat out there, you know. You know, going from woman to woman. You know, right. that's almost well. He can't help himself. But when you talk about traditional males, family men, right. And and I the think the ones that are trying to do it right, right and be with Christ and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. they're being labeled as, as Neanderthals or whatever. Uh, that's a, that's strictly an attack on the family, and and it's an yeah. attack on the family. But that really began really fifties, sixties. Um, it was exasperated with artificial uh, contraception. Mm-hmm. No fault divorce law, birth control to all yeah. you, you know. Yeah, and then you got, then you got to have an eraser. You've got to have an eraser when the birth control doesn't work. So now you have abortion. You know, sex you know? does work. Yeah, it does work. It's, <laughs> it, it, it does. It does. It does perform as designed. Yes, it does. Uh, so, um, so everybody goes through that, and uh, you know, it's it, it's part of the strife. Um, men have to men have to stand up, reclaim that a little bit. And, you know, to be honest with you, I've seen enough cultures, particularly various cultures that spend different uh, uh, social economic levels, uh, racial levels, ethnic levels. Um, you can find po- many different pockets of cultures. And the ones that are lacking a traditional family and strong male presence, it's a disaster. Yeah. It's a total disaster. I mean, it's a it's an apocalypse. I mean, all these zombie movies and stuff we go see, mm-hmm. man, that's that's child's play compared to what's happened in certain segments. And so, when you hear this thing about toxic masculinity, well, the only toxic masculinity is when they're absent, and when we're absent, right? Bad things happen very quickly. There was a study that says even yeah. when a father is not the best father, or he's aggressive or rough, or yeah. you know, he's just being a you know. Yeah, it's still better for him to be there than not be there. Than not be there. Than not be there. The the bottom line is Uncle Sam, uh, you know, is, is great as a last ditch effort to stop to keep someone from starving to death or freezing to death. Mm-hmm. Uh, the but they're horrible fathers. Horrible, horrible, <laughs> and, and and pretty bad mothers, and uh, and as spouses go, oh my God, run, don't walk, because Uncle Sam doesn't know any of that, and he will never know any of that. Right. It's not within his structure to do that. Right. You know. So, in your opinion, how can the church recover from men leaving and rejecting the church? Well, now, when I say church, I really mean the Catholic faith, but in a a way, 
that trickles down to the Protestants too. It does because they if actually, you yeah. if if anybody has ever been into a any ch- other church yeah. in the Catholic, it, it's it's the same. The it women is. do everything, yeah, and the men just sit there with their arms crossed or yep. not even there. Yeah. So my question again, so guess I, you know, is in your opinion, how can the church recover from men leaving and rejecting the church? Well, you know, I think that's a work in progress, but I, I believe that you do it as you call men to a higher calling. Amen, brother. Okay. And responsibility say, yeah, and responsibility. suffering. You know, it, well, you know, because you know, you know, you're talking about guys that go down chop tree down trees for fun. You know, <laughs> all right. I mean, if you if you get to the male personality, and it really doesn't matter what culture you're talking about. Men are at their best happiest when they are either building something or breaking something. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we do both at the same time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we'll we'll build it and we'll break it. That's know? right. Because yep. we got to be doing something. Yeah. And so it's a matter of directing that energy to the right place. You know, do you want to do you want to build a good community? You want to build a strong family? You want to build, you know, uh, uh, the kind of community that that you don't have to that that you can be proud of. Do you want to break some of the things, that, the walls and the barriers that are stopping that to happen? Whatever it takes, but you have to have a call to men to be bigger than themselves, right? And to serve God, right? I can't speak for all churches, but I will say the Catholic Church got out of the habit probably in the 1970s or 80s uh-huh. of, of doing that. In fact, actually, we've been so busy making sure the women get you know what they need and the more opportunity. And right. there's some there's some good in that because there was some of course yeah. there was some good in that. But a you lot know of what? Good. It's balanced, man. Yeah, it's balanced. And right now, you know, you stand, you go to the average mat. You know, oftentimes the mass. You know, if you start looking who's on the altar, who's lecturing, you know. I have been, you know, probably at least a third of the time, you know, the only two guys are on that altar might be uh, the priest and the deacon. And that happens a lot. So you, you go dun, and you dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So so now the what's the solution to that is like it's to go out and see the guy sitting in the pew and say, Hey, you wanna be a Eucharistic minister? Hey, I've heard you read, you got a nice voice. Why don't you be a lecturer? You can sing, why aren't you in the choir? Mm-hmm. You know? Now, don't get me wrong. I love female choirs, but I really love a, a, a balanced choir. A more. balanced choir. <laughs> I mean, it's better, uh, you know. Um, so those are the things that we just we have to make a conscious effort, especially the young men. Well, you know, one thing where I, this I'm not really I'm being a little biased, but my church Holy Rosary, right, in the Latin Mass, there are tons of men. Yeah, the Latin Mass. Whether you love it or hate it, or tomorrow, I don't, you know, I don't mm. speak Latin, all that crazy mess. The Latin mass has a lot of graces. And what that does is there are men there with their families and their wives and their children, dude. Yeah. There's tons of them. And it's not overwhelmingly more women. It's, it's a lot. I mean, it's you. It's about a, yeah. And you know, the parish I serve in now, mm-hmm. uh, what I love most about it is it's much more balanced. It still could be better. Mm-hmm. But what, one of the things, I love the fact of how many crying babies in, in the parish. Right. Because you have large, intact families. Now, it's not Latin right, mm-hmm. but it's still very much a more traditional view. Oh, okay. Culture. Good. Because um, if babies ain't crying, your parish is dying. That's right. You know, we, these people are a, saying, I don't like hearing crying cry hey, babies. Hey, man, we're like, calling that phrase, that's dude. Right. That's right. <laughs> if you your hear, babies ain't crying, your parish yeah. is dying. <laughs> you, you hear a crying baby in church, you always say, thinking, that's a blessing. That's a blessing. Um, and, uh, you know, and it makes a difference. The one thing I remember, and I visited your parish and a couple others, because, you know, I haven't had a lot of exposure to the Latin Rite, 
uh, be honest with you, I kind of I loved a lot of the changes in, in the liturgy. Of, uh, I, I love the liturgy that we had, the the, the ordinary liturgy. Uh-huh. But the thing that shocked me going to your parishes and to other Latin Rite parishes, I expected to see a bunch of old people older than me. No. want to go back to the good old days. They're all young. They're all young. Yes. <laughs> They're all young. And I'm like, how the heck did you guys even discover the Latin But you know what? You know? Because you know how I discovered it was, yeah. I love Gregorian chant. And we came from, uh-huh. me, and my, me and the wife came from um, uh, from St. Myron one time. And uh-huh. they were seeing Gregorian chant. And I was like, man, I, I, it'd be nice to have a mass with Gregorian chant. So the, we would visit it. There because they had it, and then that was the first time I was experienced to exposed to the Latin Mass because I'd been to Novus Ordo, Novus Ordo, my whole Latin, I mean, my whole right, uh, right. career, career, my whole journey, faith, yeah. faith journey, yeah. And the first time I experienced the Latin Mass, it it was over for me. Well, I see, knew I knew right then it was it was quiet, it's reflective, it's more reverent. And once I and the, and the people don't understand what well, people don't understand the Latin. I don't have to understand Latin because I already know what the stuff's going to be. It was talking about anyway. And then there's a book there with English and Latin right there. Yeah. And I'm just telling you, man, it it changed. It was one of the next levels in my faith. Well, see, those type of stories, that's one of the beautiful things about the Catholic Church is there's so many different ways to find grace that are still within proper mm-hmm. teaching. and genuine teachings of the right, church. Right. Your story on the Latin Mass, I don't know your viewers and your followers probably don't know this, but you're one of the best gospel singers I've ever heard in my life. Oh <laughs> so I'm gonna embarrass you. No, don't no, do no, that. no. I'm gonna listen to me. This guy, you know, and he's singing and I'm talking black gospel now. I'm talking about Song of My People hymnal. This guy is awesome. And when he told me he's falling in love with the Latin Mass, I'm not gonna lie, I got a tear in my eye. I'm like, you can't do that. You gotta come and sing in our mass. Okay. But but that just goes to show you God can reach out and touch people different ways. Right. So right. So like so for me, I love gospel music because of the energy and stuff. Because I grew up in you know in in a very stoic culture, I love that celebrated. But this brother's telling me he goes and hears a growing chant and he feels at peace. I did, yeah, you know. So it doesn't. We well, you know, know we're going God's going to move you, you know, around. Growing chant you know? is the is the music of the church. Yeah, well, that's yeah, true. You yeah. know, it, it, just like Latin is the language of the church. But yeah. I understand. If the church allows it, I know. Yeah. I know. But we can go into Vatican II and a whole nother podcast. Oh, that, would be, that. <laughs> that would be like five bucks. <laughs> right, five hours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, what can women do to encourage men to step up and take responsibility for their households, family, and the church? Well, the first thing they can do is, is, is make sure that they understand you know, is to have faith in their husbands, you know, and that they're, that they're not necessarily. The guide aspect. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, that's very important because if you look at all the, all the contemporary culture from the commercials on television and most of the characters and it's always the woman's the wise one, the man's a dumb oaf. Right. And it doesn't, I mean, even the commercials are that way. I know. And, you know, I've always, I've never understood that because some women, buy into that and they treat their husband that way. And I've never understood it because if you've got a moron for a husband, who picked the husband? Amen. It looks bad on you. Okay? Bam, bam. <laughs> okay. Uh, why are you there? You right. chose a moron to be the father of your children. Why'd you do that? Right. So, you know, right. if they would just step back and say, hey, there's something about this 
guy that I had faith in and that I wanted to share my life with. And remember that and encourage those things. Don't men, women don't understand that men respond by their faith in them. That's right. We respond like Superman. Yeah. But when you don't, when a woman, you're not, you have to encourage. I know women, Uh I know women, if you're women listening, I know, but it's a job, but your, your marriage will be 10 times better. Your relationship with your boyfriend will be 10 times better. You have to lift him up. You have to encourage him and you have to get him to realize that to, you have to get him to want to be a better man for you. And you can't do that if you're trying to be the man. Right. Or if you're, or if you're always pointing out what's wrong with him. Yes. Yes. And, 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 and yes, the same thing works the other way. You know, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, um, but, but I think, but we're not talking, honest, about, we're talking about, we were talking, we're talking about, about men, men right well, now. Well, but that's so. what I was going to say. But this is one of the things I noticed that women today do a better job of sticking up for themselves than men do. You, you know, someone, you know, saying, well, you, you know, this person. Because this they've guy, been emasculated, man. Yeah. And see, they gotta, they gotta be, it's really a male problem. It isn't that much. It is of a, a man f- problem. It is. It really isn't a female problem. I think, I think, we were, you know, we were born, we, we were, yeah. bo- we were, the problem is God gave us the Garden of Eden and the world and made us responsible for it. But we are easy because we're broken. We're easily content with saying, okay, you don't need me. You don't, I, you go ahead and do it, lady. Yeah. I, I'll hang back here and chill. Right. We get in that mode real quick, yeah, don't we, we? It's what I call go girl mode. You know, like, you're better at this, you know, you, you, and, and it starts at a very young age. I, I mm-hmm. notice, you know, when I'm training servers, you know, most, okay, real quick, the, uh, uh, every, every parish I've been in has both male and female servers. Okay. Right. And what I've noticed is training male and female tra- servers is, a generally rule, there's exceptions, but general rule is a female server will learn it twice as fast and be twice as good as a male, just like that. So, I mean, because they're kind of built for it. I mean, for, generally speaking. No, right, right. And what happens with the young men is you'll see them, and especially with their with their uh, female server, man, they kick back. They're like, you got this, sister. Go, go, man. go, 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 go. <laughs> go. You got it. And they're just like hanging back and they're content. And so, and how does that how does that hurt the or the the deaconship and the uh, priesthood? Well, it does because they don't understand. You know what? You got to learn to do this stuff. Just because you know, you got to learn to do this stuff. Because we're talking about if you you know, Christ introduced this thing called servant leadership. Mm-hmm. That you're there to serve. You're there to love. And men in their natural state do not come by that naturally. In other words, within, you know, we, we can do war, we can do all kinds of stuff, but you got to work on this idea of saying, I'm going to serve. Right. Okay. It has to be a conscious it effort. It has to be a conscious effort. So you have to teach those young men and young boys how to do that. And they're that not mean? necessarily born with that. They're not. Yeah. Um, we've talked about that. Um, how has the 2018 scandal in the Catholic Church affected you? Tough. Very tough. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I can answer that question because I'm, I'm working through that. Okay. And how are you? What do you give me you know, a general statement and then tell me how are you working through it? Well, the, the biggest problem with the 2018 scandal that I see w- was a component, the same component was there in the 2005. Mm hmm. 
No, is it 2001, 2002, 2002. or 2005? I get the date. You know, I probably, I think I'm getting it wrong too. I think it was 2002. Okay, 2002. I think it is. I think it's 2002. But what I always felt back in 2002 is that problem with, with errant priests was not, you know, basically the percentage was so low as a percent of good serving priests. Mm-hmm. I always felt it was a bishop problem. Which it still is. Well, and when I look what we've done in the last 16, 17 years, I think we've done a lot to solve that problem, um, both laity, deacons, priests. But what the current 2018 uh, tells me, the bishops haven't done what they need to do. Because they focused on the physical, actually the physical right. abuse, but not the spiritual part of the it's physical that spiritual abuse. spiritual end of it. That's right. And they haven't really stood up to say, spiritual, I am spiritually obligated to protect the people of this church. Yes. My, my salvation depends yes. on it. And I think if they felt that way, you wouldn't have had Uncle Teddy McCarrick and you wouldn't have had all this stuff going on. Oh. Because they're not walking in. You know, nobody willingly walks into hell. I would hope. You or they rationalize it for 30 they ra- years. They rationalize it, right? <laughs> yeah. So I just, you know, it's tough. I, I do believe our church has been through harder challenges internally. You know, I th- I think the Holy Spirit is still with us. How I deal with it is deep in prayer. I, I say a rosary every day for the conversion and the repair and the healing of my church. And look. I th- also say St. Michael prayer. Fellas, yep. listen, this is what you call entering the spiritual battle daily. Yep. This is what he's talking about. Yep. You can't do this by physically doing nothing. You can't go out and kill a bishop. No, you can't. <laughs> you do can't it. go out and beat up no. a priest. <laughs> no. You can't do it yep. like that. You have to fight this battle spiritually, dude, yep. which is prayer. Yep. Prayer is the only way. I'm not saying you don't physically stop the abuse and get that out the way, and and st- but you have to spiritually what what Deacon is doing is fighting that battle, man, which is what every man should be doing: sacrificing, fasting, praying the rosary, going to daily mass, adoration. These things will not only, especially fasting. That's really the number one thing in the rosary. Doing that for the cleansing of the church, man. And your family is 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 what we, when I talk about every day, all the time on this podcast is about. That's how you fight the battle, baby. Go ahead, Deacon. That's what I'm talking about. I can't add anything more to that. That's you, it. You, there is one. <laughs> you know, I, I believe the devil's at work, and the yep. devil has landed some solid punches on the church I love with all my heart. I and th- you, but you know what I love know, about it is you said, "Look, dude, I'm not walking. I'm not leaving my church. This is my church. No, this no, is Christ's church, church yeah. and I'm gonna stay here. I'm gonna fight this, man." Yeah, and you fight it with prayer. I want the Holy Spirit send me a big equalizer and swing a heavy bat and get this done. And, and one of the equalizers to bring it. One of the equalizers yeah. is also like we talked about at lunch today. Is speaking about this in your marriage, in your family, in your work, yeah, exactly. in out in society. Right. And in your environment, because you can't control stuff that's not in your environment, but no. you can control your environment. You can control. And that's your how we change this, right. man. And and the bottom line is, is is we can get beat down into the ground. But right. the beautiful thing about the church that that Jesus Christ founded, we could rise from the ashes just on a dime. Yep. Our but mask, just, our mask could be set in a sewer if it has to be. And it <laughs> has right. been, has been. Yeah. Down and it probably is in some parts of the world today. Like China, right, China now. right now. China right now. You know. Yeah. 
The Catholic faith can 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 thrive and build on, with a handful of rice and a whole bunch of prayers. Amen. You know, so that's so what we got to get to. How can the leaders in the church, pope, cardinals, bishops, priests, and deacons once again gain the trust of the laity and society at large as the moral compass for the world? Well, I, I think that the church, you know, that's I don't have an answer for you for that. Right now, I think that that has to be worked out. There has to be some structural changes mm-hmm. and some changes in horizon of judging what's going on. You know, I think the laity has to be brought in a little closer. We have a rigid hierarchy in our church, always have had. Yeah. Um, it served us well for 2,000 years, but there has to be something that is in place that maybe, you know, what we are is we're siloed. So a, a bishop really doesn't have a lot of one oversight, two support from his other bishops because they're siloed. Priests are pretty much in the same boat, mm-hmm. um, and they got to work that out. Mm-hmm. You know, I think ultimately we're going to be. It's not going to be easy. It know? ain't going away though. It's you not can going bet away. that. It's not going away. So, Deacon, I, I've heard you preach a few times, and you laid back. Which is cool, but you preach. Well, not one thing I can say. You you have a lot more courage than a lot of uh, priests and stuff that I see um, in in a lot of parishes. Because um, you speak on abortion, you speak on hell, you speak on homosexual, you speak on all the tough stuff. You you do what you're supposed to do. So my question to you is: Where do you where do you get your courage? You know, how do you get the courage? To, to preach on the things that need to be preached on when so many other ordained men, deacons and priests, bishops, all of them, they, they shun it. Well, I, I preach the word of God in the teachings of the church and I preach and I adjust my preaching to who I'm speaking to. Mm-hmm. So it does vary. But the bottom line is my courage comes from the wisdom within our church and with the teachings of Jesus Christ. I'm going to put it out there. Okay? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I'm going to put it out there because it's better than, any, than anybody, than what I got or anyone else has got. Now, yeah. there's some hard teachings in this church that I, too, struggle with. Mm-hmm. And if people want to struggle with it. People want to argue about it. That's fine and dandy. That's even healthy. But they got to know what the teaching is. Right, right. And like I said, I've from a very early age, I learned how to, you know, take a punch. I know— I, I understand controversy. I've 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 had myself whooped for a whole lot less important things than got that. God. So <laughs> so the bottom line is is you know that's where it comes from. I have an unending faith in my Lord Jesus Christ, and you know if you take a few dings and punches here and there. As, you're, that su- is you're, what it is. you're suffering for him. It, it is you're what sacrificing it is. for him. Like I said, I, you know I can get in trouble doing for a whole lot less important things than have gotten in trouble for a whole lot. Less but I I wish that my wish. And prayers for priests and deacons is that they, you know, no matter your feelings inside, can you just preach the dogma of the church and the doctrine? Yeah, and I, just even yeah. though you feel I'm against contraception, I don't agree with it or whatever, but can it? That doesn't matter. You, that's not what you're there for, right? You know, uh, you need to. It's not just enough to say, well, okay, the church doesn't like contraception. You have to tell people why. 
right why of is especially today because people aren't just going to take orders today and that's been like and that's been like all for the generation yeah not just that for two thousand years let's just be real i mean come on it ain't changed you know it's kind of like herding (laughs) cats but you tell them why you tell them why the church doesn't uh stand behind or approve of abortion you stand you tell them why we don't like the death penalty. I struggled mightily. I, I'm very much a pro-life preacher, have been my whole life. But I'm going to tell right. you what, the aspect, the pro-life message that I struggled with probably 20, 30 years uh-huh. was opposition to death penalty. I had a lot of— You were for it or you were against it? I I didn't understand why our church had such an aversion to it because I come from a— you know what I'm saying? It took me a long, my took wife a long was, time. My wife was yeah. for it, and we and her would have these arguments, man. When before I was, well, when yeah. I was, even when I was Catholic, wasn't want to enter the faith. So yeah. I, I was. You know what I'm saying? Well, I, I prayed on that a long time. I never could understand how you could could, could kill an uh, an unborn child, the most innocent, right? We've ever been is when we've been in our mother's womb, right? That's the only, you know, and, and you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna kill that. That mm-hmm. I can never understand. But you know, hey, the guy that killed you know fifteen people and ate him. <laughs> yeah, Jeffrey Dahmer, we can't kill yeah, Jerry, him. Jerry Dahmer, I mean, I'm like, hey, maybe a well, well you know, place. He's you know, here. Yeah, right. You know, you know but, but but you know, okay. So you know, like the culture I come from is okay. You are obligated to make a clean shot, and not make Jeffrey Dahmer, you know, suffer. That's the culture I came from. Oh, but right. I, you know, but I mean, that's just the truth. Right. But but the bottom line is is though it wasn't until I understood this idea of salvation of souls exactly that you you know that's why that everybody you know you're getting in God's way and it took a ex- long time ex- you're oh, getting in God's perfect. way at that point right so right, right. And until I could get my fat head around that idea I struggled mildly with that so it's you know I I'm not judgmental of people who struggle with church teaching I understand because I've done it myself right but as a preacher. In a member of the clergy, it's I'm morally bound to tell people what the church's teachings are, mm-hmm. and as I, authority given from Christ, yeah, you and, are bound. And and I and I hope you know there's a tendency, and I think a lot of a lot of people fall into this. A lot of preachers fall into this as saying, "I don't want to upset you," but you know, so we'll 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 you know, right? And and I think that in the long run, that's counterproductive because you know you, as I mentioned, my my. My conflict with the death penalty was decades, but I'm glad I took that road. I'm glad I prayed and thought that through. Right. Because I got better. I, when I say I got better, I got closer to God to that process. I got through all my baggage and whacked th- around in that jungle, and it got me closer to God. So those are things that, you know, we have to take, you know. So, well, you know. one of the things, one of the things that, Help turn me around on the death penalty, and we're and when we, we're saying death penalty, that we believe you know to kill, it's okay. We we that we believe yeah. it's okay to kill a criminal if they committed so much, you know, so many heinous as acts a penalty. As yeah. a penalty, yeah. What helped me bring it around was if you kill them, what they learn? They can't learn That's right. nothing. That's exactly right. Because I'm a logical person, and yeah, that hit yeah, me home. Yeah. If you kill them. They right. what they ain't gonna never learn then. They ain't gonna learn. Their opportunity for salvation is done. Yes. You just stopped the clock. You just stopped it. And that's what I meant by getting in God's way. That's right. Oh, Maybe that was he beautiful, wasn't man. done with that person. That was beautiful, so, dude. You don't want to be in God's way. That's I don't right, know much, brother. but I know you don't want to be in God's <laughs> way. <laughs> Last question. We talked about what can single men do to find the woman of their dreams um a little bit, but explain um 
for husbands, what are the three most important things you do in your marriage to keep you out of divorce court? <laughs> well, <laughs> or yeah. outside the annulment tribunal. Yeah, I, I don't want to be in either one of those places. Right. Um, and, you know, I will say, you know, you know, first of all, you know, for me, being a hard-headed guy is I just never have never thought of divorce as an option. So I better figure out how to make things work. Otherwise, things is going to be really, really, you know. Yeah. Rough if it doesn't. <laughs> so, right. You know, uh, right. But the but the main thing I do is first of all, well, there's a lot of things we do. You know, first of all, we do worshiping together. We pray together a lot. That's important, man. Yeah. And and we support each other in our various ministries, and and we're happy to do it. We enjoy it. But let me you let know. me say, fellas, please listen. This is a deacon here telling you, and this is me, and I'm nobody, but I'm telling you and suggesting to you that don't take prayer lightly it's hard at first but that's hard it's hard because god is molding you yeah you know to to get you but once you start doing it it becomes a habit and prayer is so much grace your life will change your family's life will change the way your girlfriend thinks will change it just will with you praying just please it's a supernatural world it is natural and then it's the supernatural you battle in the supernatural yes same thing. Same thing. Mm-hmm. The other one is the human aspect is you got to go take your bride on a date. And yeah. you got to go have some fun as man and woman, not mm-hmm. just with your grandkids or your kids. Right. Two of you. Uh, Kathy and I, we, we've been a little bit remiss the last year because we had a lot going on, but we always try to take a vacation, just us. Right. And we try to take weekend road trips, just us. Um, man, you and her are always going somewhere. Don't be trying to downplay it. Well, but it's important. Mr. International Traveler, man. Yeah, but, but <laughs> yeah, but, but actually, that's those are those are almost too busy. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm talking you about you know, like <laughs> you know, one of our favorite spring break, or we go sit on the beach for a week. You know, now personally, I don't like sitting on a beach for a week. I get bored, but she loves it. And then we go to dinner. We do things. We take walks. I love to walk on the beach with yeah. my bride. You know, yeah. Just spend some time with each other. And, and really have getting some fun. into each other. Getting re- into each other. Get in. uh, really simple things like we here lately. There's been so much garbage on movies. We kind of got out of the habit. Uh, but we we used to have uh, at least once, twice a month. We go take a movie. Now we have very radical, differently tastes in movies. Mm-hmm. So she would pick one one time. I would pick the next one. And we always we pick our movies with understanding that the other one's picking the next one, so you don't try to hurt your spouse too much when you pick a movie, right? Right, because right. uh, she's going to get payback. Right, but just those things like that—that that is, that's what you're about. And I'll be honest with you, for the the men that are listening that have kids at home, it's probably most important for you because as an empty nester, it's kind of easy for us now. But we only did that when our kids were home. Okay. And because what happens is mama's life centers around her kids, father's life centers around. But the best thing you can do, the the greatest gift you can give your children is to love and respect their mother. Amen. And the same thing is going back with, with, with the mom. Going, So you have to take care of that husband and wife relationship because that's your foundation. And everything else, if that foundation isn't right, everything else will crumble it. And if the foundation is right, it doesn't matter how much external pressure the world puts on your marriage or the internal pressure of different challenges with child rearing or sick parents or whatever, you'll come together and you'll stand together. And, and that all, keeps you out of the tribunal. 
Amen, yes, brother. And yes. on that note, we are out of here. Thank you, Deacon Brad, for visiting with me today. This was a great interview, and I hope the men enjoy it. And I will see you next time. All right, brother. All God right. Bless. Amen. Amen. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed part two of my interview with my distinguished friend, Deacon Brad Anderson. In conclusion, as we always do, we end with a quote from Pope Benedict XVI, quote, society offers you comfort, but you weren't made for comfort. You were made for greatness. So go forth, Christian soldier. The spiritual fight is upon you. Fast, pray, and prepare for battle. Thank you, Christian soldier, for listening in today. Remember, Catholic Alpha Radical is designed to repair, ignite, and once again spark the fire back into your marriage or relationship. So, what's your next action step? One, share this podcast with someone needing help in their marriage or relationship. Two, rate this podcast if listening on iTunes. Three, subscribe to this podcast if listening on CatholicAlpha.com to get new episodes in your email now.